Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, June 21st, 2019. And on this report, I will be talking about how truth sometimes does come from a bottle of wine, as the Latin title translates the legal battle between Oberlin College and Gibson's Bakery is the real subject for today, as well as how truth was revealed in that case through a bottle of wine. Oberlin College is a private liberal arts college and conservatory of music in Oberlin, Ohio. It is the oldest co-educational liberal arts college in the United States, having been founded in 1835. It claims to be the first college to admit women and the first to admit African Americans. And today it is described on Wikipedia as, quote, known for its progressive student action. End quote. The other side of the case we are talking about is Gibson's Bakery, a small business located near the Oberlin campus since 1885. Gibson's then is a fifth-generation family-owned business which has been owned and operated by the same family for more than 130 years. The elder Gibson is now 90 years old and still works in the bakery and was present for much of the trial, the case actually started the day after the 2016 presidential election. Apparently, a lot of students at Oberlin, as well as the college administration, had a hard time accepting the results of that election. The day after Donald Trump was elected, I suppose in despair and wanting to drown his sorrow, a student who happened to be African-American along with two companions came into the bakery, stuck a bottle of wine in his coat, and walked out without paying. Alan Gibson, whose great-great-grandfather founded the bakery, confronted the young man and told him he was going to call the police. There was a physical altercation outside the bakery when Mr. Gibson tried to take a picture. And when the police arrived, Mr. Gibson was on the ground, apparently having been beaten and kicked by the three men. The three men, all black, were arrested and charged, and then the president of Oberlin sent the following email to the student body. Quote, this has been a difficult few days for our community, not simply because of the events at Gibson's Bakery, but because of the fears and concerns that many are feeling in response to the outcome of the presidential election. We write foremost to acknowledge the pain and the sadness that many of you are experiencing we want you to know that the administration, faculty, and staff are here to support you as we work through this moment together, end quote. So, the administration of Oberlin clearly had a political agenda and was willing to tie that agenda to the incident at Gibson's Bakery. The poor students at one of the most elite colleges in the country have apparently experienced never experienced very much pain and suffering in their young lives because they were simply unable to cope with not getting the results they wanted from the election. The college's agenda, at least implicitly, encourages the left-wing actions of the students, lets them know that it sympathizes. The Gibsons were accused of racial profiling since those arrested were black. And the Gibson family is white. Student protests formed outside the bakery, including a boycott, which the college participated in, as well as 
canceling their business with the bakery. Dean of Students Maryland, Meredith rather, Meredith Raimondo, participated in the protest along with the students, although she said she was there only to support the students and to protect them, but she was seen handing out flyers along with the students. The bakery was severely damaged economically and was virtually out of business for several months. It struggled to make ends meet and had to lay off most of its 12 employees, some of whom were black. When this type of confrontation is going on outside of business, no one wants to risk going there, especially with the things being said about the Gibson family. In the meantime, nine months later, after the bakery was basically ruined, the three students pled guilty to shoplifting and publicly admitted there was no racial profiling and no racial intent at all. The Gibsons filed a lawsuit against Oberlin College, its administration, and Meredith Raimondo for defamation, intentional infliction of emotional distress, intentional interference with business relations, and many lesser counts. There's a long-standing rule of law that basically holds that a college cannot be independently held liable for the actions of its students. To hold otherwise, the law says, would stifle the free speech of the students and the college as well in an ironic twist of fate. A college which often argued that speech it doesn't approve of should be suppressed now defended itself by arguing for free speech. In this case, however, the Gibsons weren't suing the college because of the actions of students, but for its own actions. That is a concept the college's lawyer and none of the administrators could ever seem to grasp. The trial lasted a month. During that time, the jury heard much in the way of evidence and saw much in the way of attitudes. The jury held for the Gibsons and awarded them $11 million in compensatory damages with another hearing to be held for the jury to consider an award of punitive damages as well. My own opinion is that the jury saw what was happening on the Oberlin campus and inside American higher education in general, they were shocked and appalled by it, the stultifying political correctness and intimidation that exists on American campuses spilled over into their local community and ultimately into the courtroom. Several students testified that there existed an atmosphere of theft at Oberlin College and the Gibsons were able to show a loss of $1,500 per month in theft which could be devastating for a small business. The students seemed to have the attitude they were entitled to anything they wanted from the normal people of the town. Well, there were normal people sitting on that jury, and when they saw how this family-owned five-generation business was abused and destroyed, and how this family, which had done nothing wrong, was treated by this elite college and its elitist, morally self-righteous students, they decided to send them a message. The Gibsons were not political people, just business people, trying to make a living and stay in business. And suddenly, a mob appeared outside, and the mob didn't leave. The jury saw working people who get up early in the morning to go to work before daylight to bake those donuts the students then steal from them. When they were appalled by it, Oberlin College did not get the message, however. The jury tried to send them a message, but they did not receive it, and that is obvious. After the verdict 
But before the hearing on punitive damages, the lead counsel for the college sent a letter to students and alums of the college. In that letter, she criticized the jury, said it did not agree with the, quote, clear evidence her team submitted, end quote. She went back to the same concept she tried for a month of trial to use, and that was, it's not our fault, it was the students. She just couldn't understand that the college was being sued for its actions, not the actions of the students. It was the college's and Dean Raimondo's own conduct at issue, not the conduct of the students. In the hearing for determination of punitive damages to Gibson's lawyer, who was great throughout the trial, by the way, had a field day, the term taking candy from a baby comes to mind, the post-verdict email was Exhibit A. It clearly showed the jury the unrepentant contempt this college, its administration, and even its lawyer had for them. The college argued poverty, asked the jury not to deprive them of their chief duty of educating students, but the evidence presented by the Gibson's lawyer was that the college had $887 million in endowments as well as a $1.5 billion total assets. So they were not hurting at all in his closing. He said to the jury, quote, how do you get to know a company that has a billion dollars, end quote. Well, the jury thought 33 million in punitive damages in addition to the 11 million compensatory damages for a total verdict of $44 million might get their attention. But unfortunately, to this point, it has not done so. State law in Ohio restricts the punitive award to twice the compensatory damages. So that would be a total collectible verdict of $33 million, which is enough to get most people's attention, but apparently not in the elitist world of higher education. Oberlin did not get the message. That is clear because the pre college president sent out an email saying she does not think they did anything wrong. They will continue to fight on, so I'm sure Oberlin's lawyers will file an appeal and delay the Gibson's recovery. But hopefully, the court will require them to post an appeal bond of, say, 10% of the total judgment, or about $3.5 million in addition. Interest will run during the pendency of the appeal. So what's two years at 10% on $33 million? I don't know, but I'll bet it's a lot. When ordinary people sitting on the jury are made privy to the way these privileged few inside America's education establishment think and behave, they're shocked and appalled. It's never been the generally accepted policy in this country for a few intellectual elites to hold some special status, which allows them to intimidate and victimize working Americans. It's also hard to see the alumni opening their pockets to replenish the lost endowment money. This will eventually cost the campus indignation and outrage at what they perceived as how the system failed. Finally got the better of them. The most self-righteous people in the world reside in the ivy-covered buildings of the educational establishment. It's really an outrageous thing to see how they attack and victimize ordinary people because they are right. They're on the right side of history. It's just a matter of a little time before the rest of us are crushed and merged into their new world, the world that awaits them and their stormtroopers. Finally, folks, the battle lines are drawn. The thin veneer of moderation has been removed from the tactics 
of our intellectual betters for all of us to see. Remember, it all began with the truth-revealing power of wine. We can at least thank Oberlin College for revealing the dark, ugly inside of modern education to the whole world. We can thank the Gibsons for reminding the, them that you can't steal my wine no matter what color you are. However, the administrators and bureaucrats of Oberlin College can't seem to accept a jury's verdict any more than they can accept the outcome of a presidential election. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.